Today, I'm happy to be speaking with Sonia Corbett, who is also known as the Bible Study Evangelista. She is a Catholic author and speaker who has produced several multimedia Bible studies, including Unleashed, Fearless, Ignite, and Fulfilled. She also created the Love the Word Bible Study Method. And so I'm happy to have Sonia on today on this podcast, How They Love Mary, to talk about her latest book with Ave Maria Press called Exalted, How the Power of the Magnificat Can Transform Us, Mary's Song, Verse by Verse. And so welcome to the show, Sonia. Thank you, Father Looney. It is my privilege to be with you. Well, uh, you have this title of being the Bible study evangelista, and I'm just wondering if maybe you could give us a little background on how that came about and what sparked your interest uh, in becoming that evangelist for Bible studies. Well, partly the word evangelist just means to share the gospel according to one's own point of view, and that's really what I do through the scriptures, using the scriptures, because that's how God has really formed me, and because I'm not male, I'm not necessarily an evangelist, although I am, but so I just made up a word, and I stuck an A on the end to make it feminine, so evangelista. (laughs) And what sparked your love for the Word of God? Well, as a non-Catholic, I am a convert from uh, a Protestant church, and as a non-Catholic, we did not have sacraments of any sort, and so there was no way to get in touch with God and to build a relationship with Him except through the Bible. That's the only tool we had, and I wanted God to be proud of me. I wanted Him to love me. I wanted to not—I wanted to know who He was. I I was afraid of Him because of my my history with my own father. I I call it a father wound. I have a what I call a father wound, and because of that, I was afraid of God. But I had an aunt who told me that she imagined, when she prayed, she imagined climbing up in God's lap. And I just remember thinking that was the most, that was the weirdest thing I had ever heard. And it, it just really kind of turned me off. And yet, in, a, in some way, I remember also reading the Psalms where David danced before the Lord and how he, he was the apple of God's eye. And, and so something about that intimacy really drew me even though I was afraid of him. So I knew that the only way I could get in touch with him was through the scriptures, because that's what everybody told me. And so I grudgingly embarked on a very early morning discipline of trying to read the scriptures. And that's really where it began. As soon as as God connected with me there, and then I, I... started to build that relationship, and then I started also to teach. I was co-teaching a Bible study in the book of Acts, and with my mentor, actually, who was 20, 30 years older than I am, and she told me about three weeks in, she said, you know, I think you're supposed to teach this by yourself, and I mean, I was 20-something. I didn't know anything, but I felt the same thing. I said, you know, I think you're right, I mean, and it was, a, it was very humbling. But I, I did. I felt I was so I was so excited by everything that I was learning, and so I told her. I said, "I, I think I am too." So she continued to come and, and continued to mentor me. But as I taught that class, it lit a fire in me, and I have never turned back. I've never been able. I mean, I guess I could if I wanted to, but I've never been able to turn my back on that. It it just it sort of consumes me, <laughs> and so I still have that hunger for the scriptures because. I see God there, and I hear Him there, and He speaks to my everyday relationships and my my circumstances, and so that's where it began, and it has just developed, and 
matured and grown. In fact, in the readings today, in the Magnificat, um, in the morning reading, it said, it's Jeremiah, and God said to him, uh, in you, my word will be a fire in your mouth. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's really one of my my prayers, is Lord, just make me a fire in your hand, make, make your word a fire in my mouth. And so that's exactly how it feels to me. Well, you talk about this knowledge of the scriptures that you've come to know and to have through your own study, how the Word of God speaks to you. And, of course, we talk about the Blessed Virgin Mary, and she is one who truly knew the Word of God. And we'll get into that, I think, a little bit as we talk about the Magnificat, because really the Magnificat, some say, uh, it parallels the Song of Hannah. And so maybe Mary makes the Song of Hannah her own, but also just knowing what God had done for all the people of Israel uh, all throughout history. And so really it shows that Mary knew the Word of God. And um, I know that you did this program with Ascension Pre- uh, with Ascension Press on, on praying like Mary prayed. And I was just wondering if perhaps you could share a little bit about that with us, because I'm sure maybe that even encompasses a little bit of the scriptures. It absolutely does. When I, I went to confession during either an Advent or a Lenten penance service, I can't remember now which one, but it was with my bishop, and I had been Catholic for two or three years, maybe more, and he said to me, he gave me my penance, and what he said to me was, the measure of your Catholicism is your relationship to Mary, and I just remember thinking, what has that got to do with what I'm in here confessing, <laughs> and I was a little bit, I was a little bit offended by that, really, cause, because as a, as a convert into the Catholic Church, Mary was the subject that just was so baffling to me. It just didn't make sense that she got all this attention, and I didn't understand. I mean, intellectually, I understood that she is the prototype of the entire church. I got that, and I understand the foreshadowing of the Old Testament tabernacle ark in her and the prophets, and I I get all that. I got that all cerebrally, but in my heart, I could not connect with her. And so I just went to her. My style is just to, to say what I really think, because I know God already knows it. And so I just I went to her directly, and I said, look, I don't get you. I don't get all the attention you're getting. I don't understand it. It's a little weird to me. But if this is true, and my measure, and the measure of my Catholicism is my relationship to you, I don't want to be a half a Catholic. You know, I mean, I didn't go through all I went through to come into full communion with the Catholic Church to then be half a Catholic. So I said, if, if you're willing to teach me, I'm willing to learn. And she just wrapped me up in her mantle. I know you know how that <laughs> works as soon as you open the door. And she, what she did was, oh, it really moves me even now because it was so sweet. What she showed me was her own love of the Word, And the Word, of course, is a person and not a book, but she showed me through her Magnificat that she she is familiar with the Scriptures, and she has acclimated them so much, she loves them so much, that when she opened her mouth to praise God, as you said, what came out of her was partly the Song of Hannah, and then other parts of it were parts of the Psalms. And so she knew, and she she knows, and she loves the scriptures, and she wanted to connect with me. She wanted me to connect with her in an area where, that we shared. 
she came to me in a place, my love for the scriptures, and she shared her own love for the, the scriptures, too, with me. And it was the most precious connection. It's so motherly. It's so friendly. It's so intimate and, and tender. And so that was, when I realized what she was doing, it was very, very humbling, because I hadn't ever thought of her knowing the scriptures that well, you know, and, and not only just knowing them, but loving them. And so it was a huge door for me to just sort of walk through and and grab her hand and just let her show me through the Magnificat exactly what she, that relationship that she wished to build with me. When you converted to Catholicism from your Baptist background, or um, I, I guess, was Mary an obstacle to you? Did you find the Marian dogmas or Marian intercession to be something that you kind of had an issue with? Yes, it was, and that was that was really the only thing. When I came into the church, I still had not resolved that in my heart. It was one of those, for me, I came into the Catholic Church on the basis of the authority of the church, which is interesting because I've had a history of rebellion against authority, but God has been forming me in learning how to submit to proper authority from the time I was about 20. (laughs) And so, I mean, that'll probably be my swan song. When I'm dying on my deathbed, he'll still be talking to me about submission to proper authority. But I came into the church because I understood that the Reformation was really a rebellion. It was a huge church split on a monumental level, and that what Martin Luther did was exactly what I had been doing in my whole life. He also had a father wound, and he he acted out of it in exactly the same ways that I was acting out of it, in rebellion. And so I recognized the error and the evil of that, and that was part of what drew me into the Catholic Church. And so when I came in, I had not resolved the issues of Mary yet. I assented with my head. I assented to the authority of the church and the authority of the church to teach me, but I had not accepted fully all of the, not just the dogma, but even the, um, the uh, what do I say, the reverence with which she is held and the regard with which she is held in the church and the love, really, you know, by her her children. I just didn't get it, and it it bothered me a lot. It seemed to me, and it seems to a lot of non-Catholics, just because the way we're taught and the way we've been brought up to view uh, Catholicism, that Catholics worship her. And in some places, it does go overboard. Some of the southern Latin countries and some other things, because I've been on mission trips to to places, and I've, I've seen where it does sometimes go overboard. But I also knew that the church didn't teach it that way, and so it was... It was. It was a huge stumbling block. I almost didn't come in, but I was so desperate for the Eucharist, I was willing to just kind of put that on the back burner and just say, you know, the Lord will get to it with me. We'll get there. Um, But I believe what the Church teaches, and so I went ahead and came in, even though it was an obstacle. And as you studied uh, the Catholic faith, as you uh, read the scriptures, that led you to write this new book of yours called Exalted. As you look at the, the Magnificat prayer that Mary gives in Luke's gospel, 
Mary in the Gospels, she receives the Annunciation, and the angel Gabriel says to her, your cousin Elizabeth is also with child, and this is six months for her who is called barren. And then it says, the, the very next words in the scripture, that she went out in haste to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and they greet each other, blessed are you among women, Elizabeth says, and then that's where Mary proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And I guess maybe what's one of the lessons that you've taken away from the Magnificat as as you've prayed with it, as you've written about it, as you've studied it so intensely? Well, the main thing that I received from Mary through her Magnificat and through that whole mystery, those um, joyful mysteries, the Annunciation, through studying that, the main thing I took away from that is, first of all, her love for the Scriptures, and then secondly, a model of prayer that she shared with me through that Annunciation. She listened to the Word of God through the angel. She was she had a, a disciplined prayer time, and in well, partly through the Magnificat, what I discovered is that she would have prayed those fixed-hour prayers of Judaism, and so she had a, a discipline of prayer time. She was, she was habitually listening for the Word of God, and when it came to her, she knew how to interpret it. Now, it's interesting, um, Pope Francis and Pope Benedict, Pope Benedict actually called her the mother of prayer, and then building on that, Pope Francis called her the mother of listening, and he, he said, they both say, actually, that her extreme holiness and her extreme humility come from the fact that she is able to listen to the Word of God and interpret it based on her own events and circumstances and relationships. So she bought, she ponders the word in her heart, and she's looking at her own relationships and circumstances in order to interpret the word that she's heard. And that's why she jumps right up, and she goes to see Elizabeth, because she's listened to the word of God, and she's observed it. And as she has observed her relationships, she sees that it applies to Elizabeth, who is pregnant in her old age. And so she goes to serve her. So she's listened, she's observed, and then she verbalizes. She goes to Elizabeth, and when she discerns that Elizabeth understands what's happening with Mary, so the two of them share this miracle of pregnancy, and each of them is barren in a different way. Elizabeth is physically barren, and, and Mary, through her vow of um, virginity, was then supposed to be physically and uh, barren as well, through that promise. But the two of them then are miraculously pregnant, and Mary's pregnant with the Word of God, right? Because she's heard it, and she's observed it, and she has observed it so deeply that it has become incarnate in her. And so when Mary discerns that Elizabeth understands something of what's happening, she verbalizes back to God her worship and her observance of it through the Magnificat. She verbalizes, and then she entrusts, may it be done to me according to your word. And so she gave me this little acronym through that enunciation. It's L-O-V-E. Nobody loves the word the way Mary loves the word. She loves the word by L, listening, O, observing, V, verbalizing, and E, entrusting. And so that was the main thing that I took away from studying the Magnificat is how much she loves the Word. And she loves it so much that when she hears it and observes it, it 
it takes root in her and develops in a way that it is incarnate, and she's able to give it back to the whole world. Now, we can't do it on a scale that she did, but we're called to do the exact same thing, and that's, I think, why she gave me that method. It's, it's really Lectio Divina, or Holy Reading, the, the praying with the scriptures, without the Latin. And so people sometimes get stuck by the Latin and, and its strangeness and, you know, the steps. Am I doing this right? Is this, you know, is this the right word? Is this the right step? And all that. And so it's interesting that she just kind of simplifies it. Listen, observe, verbalize, and trust. If you're loving the word on a daily basis, then you're hearing it and you're observing it the way she did. You're praying the way Mary prayed. That was the biggest thing I took away from studying at the Magnificat. And when we talk about the Magnificat, uh, is there anything that really, through reflecting on all of those words of Mary as she prays them to Almighty God, is there anything that really changed your life as a result of it? Well, besides love the word, yes, one of the things that, that I came to, which was very strange for me, um, was I just, I had this sense that I, because she had been so, uh, what's the word, a good is just not a good word, she had been so uh, tender and sensitive with me, and and she just wanted to connect, it seemed, on a level that I could understand, right? And because she was she was determined almost to do that because I had invited her to, and I, I saw through her Magnificat how powerful, how, how powerful her prayer is in the Holy Spirit because the way she loves the Word. And that is what I want in my own ministry. It's not about me. It is about what God wants to accomplish in the world. And I know that if I can pray like her, and if I can love the Word the way she does, then I can participate somewhat in something that God is doing in our day and time in the world through the Holy Spirit. And I know He wants to do that with each of us. Each of us. And so as I studied the Magnificat, and I was reading her words, and I was looking at the history of Israel and, and the way she put that Magnificat together and she drew from the Old Testament scriptures and all she knew of God's people up to that point. And the fact that she is the axis then, she's the closing of the old and the opening of the new and all of that together and her mission and her humility and her hiddenness and her, all, all those things about her. I just wanted to do something outwardly that could imitate her. I mean, not that I'm going to ever be like Mary, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're going to all try as best we can, you know, as, as souls toward God who receive from him. But I wanted to just show somehow outwardly my fidelity to her and her, um, her friendship and her motherliness, you know, with me and how she really helped um, deepen my, my faith and my my spirituality and and my Catholicism right <laughs> and so I kept coming back to her humility and I kept thinking I want to imitate her humility somehow but I, I didn't know how until I, I, I think she really gave me this I, I felt like she was inviting me to veil 
And I, I mean, I don't, you have to see a picture of me to know, but I mean, I got like, I got some hair. (laughs) (laughs) And so part of what kind of, part of what kept me from it, you know, I I started to think about it and I thought, okay, well, and so, I mean, I have read about veiling and I, and I understand, you know, that God veils holy things and, and that we veil according to St. Paul because we're in the presence of angels and we're, we're demonstrating our humility before them and all the angels and saints and God himself. I understood that. And I understood that she was inviting me to it, but I, you know, I kept thinking, what about my hair? What about people who are, they're going to think I'm trying to be all super spiritual and they're, they're going to, you know, if I haven't been veiling to this point and I'm going to go into church and I'm going to veil and they're going to, they're going to, you know, who does she think she is? Now she's, you know, it just was, it was prohibitive in so many ways. Um, not really, but it seemed so, you know, in my mind. And, but the more I thought about it and the, I was desperate to do something to show her how thankful I was for all she had shared with me. And I felt like that's what she was inviting me to. And so it took a while, <laughs> but I finally tried it. And it was just, I had a cashmere scarf that someone had brought me back from the Holy Land. And I went to Mass and I used it for the first time. And as soon as I, I got about halfway through the Mass and I thought, oh my gosh, I get it. It was the most beautiful Mass except for the my Easter vigil and that week of, of Easter coming into the, the Catholic Church, it was one of the most beautiful Masses of my entire life because it felt so private. And so I felt like I was hidden and I was praying, you know, in this little in this little cocoon with God, you know, and and, and I don't know, from that point on, you know, I, I still was worried about my hair, so I switched from <laughs> from the the heavy cashmere scarf to a lighter something that I found, you know, at, at a department store somewhere. And then I, I eventually uh, did a book tour in Poland last year and I found one there. So I have continued that practice and it is, it is beautiful. I love it. And I, I truly do believe that she invited me to that in order to, to sort of, well, to answer that, that longing, I want to do something that shows my outward desire to be humble like you Blessed Mother, I, and and so she invited me to that. I believe so that that prayer would be answered, and so that is why I do it to this day. I I, I do it because I, I want to demonstrate my desire to be humble before God and the angels and the whole church, and even before my own family and my myself. I want to remind myself that my calling is to holiness, so that God can use me to bring the word of of God to the world somewhat in the way that she did. When we th- talk about the Magnificat and how it's a prayer that Mary herself prays, that she teaches us, I'm wondering now as you've written this book about it, you've reflected about it, is it a prayer that you pray on a regular basis, maybe daily, or how often would you say you pray the Magnificat? It is a, a daily prayer. I pray every single morning um, for morning prayer, and in fact, because of my duties and station in life, I do the morning, the Mass and the evening prayers all at one time in the morning. We homeschool our kids. So um, that's my my prayer time. So I do it every morning. But, but also what's interesting is the whole church prays it every single day. It's part of the liturgy in Vespers. And so the, the religious and the priests and, and everyone prays it throughout, well, every single day throughout the year. So it is, it is an important 
piece of our faith, it's so important that it's part of the liturgy, and, and it's so important that we pray it every single day. And so it's that's why I think my attention was called to it, because it is that important. I didn't know that, you know, when I began to study it. Another thing that was very interesting is I really came to a, a new sort of knowledge of my own mother. It was very neat the way it all sort of came about, but I came to realize through a study of her name uh, that she really had, you know, I, I thought I came to her as as a convert, but what I discovered is she had me all along. My middle name is Marie, which is de- derived from Mary, and so... <laughs> My mom then actually sort of entrusted me to her from the very beginning, which was a surprise to me. It was very, it was just a beautiful personal thing. And with the Magnificat and those words that Mary prays, is there a specific line of the Magnificat that just resonates with you that maybe is your favorite part of the prayer? Well, I know this is strange, but it's the very first couple of words. And Mary said, that's my favorite part because in doing that research on her name and what her name means and where it comes from in the Old Testament, it actually comes from the root for myrrh. And that myrrh is a, it's a, it's a feminine essential oil, actually, that was used in the Old Testament tabernacle in the anointing oil, and it was also used in the incense in the tabernacle. Uh, and, and in the tabernacle, God's presence rested. And so myrrh sort of uh, surrounded him all the time. And she, because of her unique relationship to the Holy Spirit, she it, it's a, it's a uh, suffering balsam. It, they, the midwives used it in childbirth, and it was used to anoint dead bodies. Uh, it, was a, it was a death spice or a death oil. Because of the and because of that, it, it had connotations of suffering, and so Mary then, in her name, which is derived from myrrh in the Old Testament, she shows us her unique relationship with the Trinity, which is willing to suffer anything for God's people, and she was that was part of her fiat. She suffered more than any other human being than Christ on the earth because the subject of her suffering was eternal. And so just the study of her name absolutely blew me away. I mean, I I realized then that that's part of what an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and with the Trinity involves. It involves a willingness to suffer on behalf of other people when it's in in their best interest to do so. And she was willing to do it, and she was happy to do it, because the object of her suffering was her son, who whom she loves more than anyone ever could, and so just that those first three words and Mary said is probably my favorite part. And maybe just lastly, as we talk about exalted, how the power of the Magnificat can transform us. What's one thing that when somebody reads this, maybe a person reading it on their own, maybe someone is doing this as a Bible study at their local church with a women's group, with a mom's group, with with whoever, what's one thing you'd like them to take away from your study on the Magnificat? Probably the biggest thing is her, her prayer method, love the word, because if we are fam- as familiar with the scriptures as she is, it will transform us in a way similar to the way it transformed her. As I said, she 
she incarnated it, and she was able to give it back to the world. And that's what we're called to be. Here's another thing that was very interesting to me. We, we talk about Mary singing the Magnificat or saying the Magnificat as, it, as though, and it is, something that she said or did. But what I came to realize is Mary doesn't sing the Magnificat. Mary is the Magnificat. She is the, the, the illustration of what God wants to do in every single soul. And so each of us is called to be a Magnificat of our own. And she teaches us through that, that song how to do so. And so it has connections to the Song of Solomon, you know, and the Psalms, because all of those are songs as well. But we're meant to be our own song. We're meant to sing a song to God, the song that he has placed within us. And in order to do that, we follow her model, which is she loves the word of God. She loves it so much that it becomes incarnate in her and she's able to offer it back to the world. How are we going to do that? We're called, each of us, to be a Magnificat. And we must follow her lead and, and look at the way she models it for us in order to do it properly. And that's true of men and women. We're all called to be a Magnificat for God. And how are we going to know how to do that if we're not listening to the Word of God on a daily basis and observing our own relationships and circumstances, verbalizing it back to God, and then entrusting it all back to Him? If we're not doing that, because that's what she did, then we're not going to know how God wants to work in those situations that we've been praying about for so long. Most of the time we pray and pray and pray and nothing happens and we get aggravated because we think God's not listening. But what's wrong is we're not listening. And so she shows us through Love the Word how to listen to God in a way that is transformative for the rest of our lives, not just us, but all the people around us. That is probably the main thing that I want everybody to take away from that book is that I am called to be a Magnificat. I'm called to love the Word so that I can be the Magnificat that God created me to be. Well, it's been great to talk about the Magnificat with you and about your new book, Exalted, How the Power of the Magnificat Can Transform Us. And really by acquiring it, by reading it, by praying that Magnificat, truly we will become those other Magnificats. We'll magnify God by our very lives as we go about them each and every day. One of the things I like to do with guests is to build their Marian profile, which is just a way to show that Marian devotion is uh, not a cookie cutter, that Everybody has a different form of Marian devotion or um, how Mary is a part of their lives. And so just a few, so quick, a few quick questions. Perhaps the first one being, what is your favorite title for Mary? She's a woman of many names. And so is there a favorite title you have? My favorite is Our Lady. It is, uh, I don't know why. It's just, it's so queenly. <laughs> I think it's. I, I think of Downton Abbey, right? When when they go and they they curtsy before the the king and queen, you know, she's our lady. That's my favorite. Okay, and how about a sacramental? So, of course, the rosary is a sacramental. Maybe people carry it with them, but there are other kind of uh, medals or other sacramentals people wear. Is there any Marian sacramental that's uh, special to you? 
Yes, I wear the brown scapular. I am a third order Carmelite in formation, so I wear it all the time. Okay. And a favorite Marian prayer. Maybe uh, maybe it's the Magnificat, but maybe there's another Marian prayer. There are so many, not only just the Hail Mary, which comes to us from the scriptures, but many other prayers are written by the saints. So a favorite Marian prayer. Aside from the rosary, the memorare, I pray that all the time. When somebody asks me to pray for them and I say I will, that's what I pray. And I do that flying novena, too, that that, uh, Mother Teresa talks about. So I do nine of those in a row, and then the tenth is a Thanksgiving. (laughs) Wow. And, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, You know, I've been doing this podcast, probably have about 20 episodes of it, and uh, almost every podcast, someone brings up Mother Teresa and the Flying Novena and the Memorari. It's just amazing how how widespread uh, that devotion of the saintly Mother Teresa is uh, for everyone. Absolutely. Yes. It's so convenient, you know. That way you can be honest and tell somebody that you're going to pray for them, but it's not going to take you, you know, forever. And you don't, if you don't have time to write it down in your prayer journal, you know, you've at least said a prayer. <laughs> How about the rosary? So people pray the rosary. Many people try to pray it every day. Some people do the 54-day rosary novena, all these things. But a lot of people might not pray the rosary or they pray it, but they're like, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Or that, you know, maybe it's because it's repetitive, monotonous. They don't engage meditation. Do you have a rosary tip that you'd offer to someone struggling with the rosary? I use the rosary to help me get focused before I read the scriptures every day. I read, and I believe she wants us to read at least the readings of the Mass every day, and if not all of those, at least the Gospel, the Gospel every day that takes all of five minutes. So I use the rosary in order to get me focused. I pray a rosary every single day, and and usually at night um, before I go to sleep, and I love that prayer. I, I love the comfort of it. And so um, if, it's, if it's difficult, then first of all, realize that you're praying it for the whole church and not just for you. And secondly, if it, if it is difficult and you feel like you're all over the place, then use it to help you kind of just get focused to move to reading the scriptures. Because sometimes for me, the, the scriptures are so black and white, I, I understand that a little easier than some of the stuff I might get in prayer, you know, where you go, hmm, was that me or was that him? You know, the black and whiteness of the scriptures help helps me hear and discern God's voice a whole lot easier, and the rosary prepares me for that. Mary is present in the sacred scriptures. She appears many times there at different events of the New Testament, the prophets foretell Mary, all of these things. You're the Bible study evangelista. Is there a favorite Marian Bible passage that you have? A favorite, probably in Revelation 12, where the heavenly temple is open and John sees the Ark of the Covenant, which is her, and how she she is the mother of everyone who has the testimony. That's probably one of my favorites. But I have to say, in my study fulfilled, when when we look at the Old Testament tabernacle and we look at the Ark of the Covenant. That's actually, that whole uh, section of that study on the Ark is, I almost can't pick, because there are so many that are so good, Ezekiel 45, and the Tabernacle in the Old Testament, and uh, Jeremiah, where he hides the Ark, and then again in Revelation, when you see it in the Heavenly Temple, it's just so rich. The Bible is really so rich with passages about her. Um, 
and how the the church fathers interpreted those in Samuel even about the ark but yeah that whole symbolism it's absolutely beautiful very very rich for each for each soul because she is really the prototype of each Christian and then collectively all of us as the whole church not only does Mary appear in the pages of sacred scripture, but she also has appeared in different places throughout the world. Many of the more popular apparitions include uh, Guadalupe or Fatima, Lourdes. She appeared in my own diocese uh, in Champion, Wisconsin. Do you have a favorite Marian apparition? Well, at this point, I don't. I am hoping in the next year to um, schedule a pilgrimage to one of those sites. I'm kind of slow to the, the apparitions part, I have read quite a bit about them, probably Fatima, honestly. I've read more about Fatima than any of them. But I would love, actually, to do a, a European tour of a lot of those, you know, and just and kind of just steep myself in that. So if I had to choose one, I would say Fatima, but I don't really know personally by experience because I haven't been, but I, I would like to. Okay, and then, you know, there are different Marian shrines, so so I always like to point out that, yes, lots of Marian apparitions are shrines, but there are other devotional shrines to Mary all throughout the country, and uh, just wondering if maybe there's been a Marian shrine you've been to that touched you. Um, I would say, I don't know if this actually counts, but the, um, the shrine down in Birmingham, in Hansville, um, uh, Mother Angelica's shrine, where the, uh, I forget the name of it. Our um, Lady of the but Angels. That's distinctly, yeah. Er, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shrine yes, of the Most Blessed Sacrament. Thank you. Yep. Yes, that's, um, that's so far the one that's the nearest to me, uh, in to my heart, but also geographically. And so I have scheduled actually my own uh, retreat next year down there because I've been there several times, and that church and those nuns are heavenly. I mean, it is it is. You get the shivers and everything. It is really, really a neat place. And you have written this Marian book for so many different people to read and to reflect on the Magnificat. There are other Marian books out there. They can find them from Ave Maria Press. Uh, I, I'm a little biased because they published my book, A Heart Like Mary's. But there are lots of other Marian books out there. And uh, is there a book about Mary that you read that you'd want to recommend? A book that I've read, um, Luke de Montfort's uh, True Devotion to Mary. And that's a very popular one. And, of course, it's touched the lives of many uh, saintly people, holy people, like St. John Paul II. And just lastly, you know, when we celebrate Marian feast days, uh, like the Assumption or the Immaculate Conception, we go to Mass, and there's always a lot of Marian hymnody. Is there a favorite Marian song or hymn that you love being that you love hearing being sung at Mass? Ave Maria. Sure. In the old way, the classical way. That's my favorite. Well, that's wonderful. And uh, yeah, well, thank you so much for talking today uh, about your book, Exalted, How the Power of the Magnificat Can Transform Us. People can find it from Ave Maria Press. They can also find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Maybe even support your local Catholic bookstore. Share the book with the people in your parish, and maybe they can help lead a Bible study on it. If people want to learn more about you, Sonia, where can they go to do that? Uh, they can find my weekly series, which I do by radio and podcast. We're constantly doing a, a six- to eight-week series. We just finished one called the I Am Statements of Jesus. We, 
that's available on my site. My Catholic TV series uh, and how to connect to that is on my site. That's every week on Sundays at 830 on uh, the Catholic TV network. Um, my books are available there. All of my speaking engagements, the retreat that I have planned for next year, the pilgrimages, everything is focused right there on my website, BibleStudyEvangelista.com. And that's great. And I highly encourage people to check out your writings, especially Exalted and everything else that you've done to help us come to know and to love the Word of God. So I'd like to thank you for being a guest on today's show. And also a special thanks to Anna Nuzzo, whose music uh, opened this podcast. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope it has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at FR Edward Looney. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd invite you to leave a review on whatever platform you listen so that others might also find it. Until next week, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.